Hi, this is Surya Devi, and welcome to A Voice for Love. I'm a world music artist and healer from Vancouver, Canada, with over two decades' experience serving individuals from all walks of life. We're going to be speaking with leaders and visionaries from around the world in the field of art, music, activism, health, education, spirituality, and more to talk about what it means to be a voice for love. We're going through massive changes on the planet right now, and I believe that what the world needs more than ever are people who are aligned, heart-led, and who can speak from the soul to help usher in even bigger shifts that will elevate us all into a more harmonious existence together. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to A Voice for Love, and I'm very excited to introduce my special guest to you today, Jennifer Pereira. Welcome, Jennifer. Hi, Saria. What a pleasure to be here. What a pleasure to have you. Um, so why don't you go ahead and tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Sure. Why don't I? <laughs> <laughs> why don't you? Yeah, this is great. Um, it's, you know, it's such a, a pleasure, really, honestly, and an honor. And I just want to say before we start and I introduce myself in any formal way that, that we're making this presentation today on unceded territory. We're in a huge position of privilege in having this platform. And I just wanna say how grateful I am to um, speak with you in this manner, because I know the great work that you're up to and how you always use your platform to represent the many multitude of voices. So thank you so much for creating this space. So hello to everyone listening. My name is Jennifer. Uh, at this time, I'm serving the collective as the founder and program director of Bloom Institute. And so what I've created is the world's first psychedelic space that's entirely for women and powered by women. I'm a psilocybin and magic mushroom expert, and I help women navigate their healing alongside their leadership. Ooh, woo, woo, woo. I know that. that's one of your other things too. Modern woo. So exciting. I'm so excited yeah. to chat with you. And I really want to say thank you so much for acknowledging that the territory that we're on. And that is something that I am going to do from now on as well, because you are absolutely correct. And it's not something that I've said in my introduction. So thank you so much for, for bringing that and reminding me of how important it is to acknowledge the original inhabitants of the land oh, that we live on. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, so how did you, I mean, people, you know, lots of people have done mushrooms, you know, more like a party thing. How did yes. you come to this discovery of understanding that psychedelics and mushrooms can be used for therapeutic purposes? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's quite an unfolding and even the name Bloom for Bloom Institute is, is no coincidence at all because it really is the process of becoming and blooming and unfolding and it's been inside my own blooming. So there was a time in my life that I was very much in the dark. And that's like the little seedling that's underneath the ground before it sprouts, <laughs> where you're cold and, and just all alone and really have no idea what's happening. And uh, in very real terms, what happened for me was I was manifesting very severe and debilitating anxiety. So as I was moving up in my corporate career, I worked in project management in IT. So definitely like so different from like the long haired, like wavy feminine <laughs> that I get to enjoy life as now, um, working for the provincial government, decommissioning like very big um, infrastructure 
infrastructure projects and working on building new software, as I was taking on greater levels of responsibility there, my relationships in the background were crumbling. So like my intimate relationship, I was married for over 10 years and just having, you know, the inner child and different childhood traumas that I had never really looked at or was even aware that was a thing or type of work to be doing as a type A perfectionist and moving through the corporate world, I started experiencing symptoms of anxiety and really had no clue what was going on. So unfortunately, the severity of that went from like zero to a hundred in a matter of months and my condition worsened and worsened and I was soon faced with my own mortality. So it's like things started shutting down. I was hospitalized on very severe medication. And, you know, I had to take time off work and really reassess. And then there's the whole, what am I making it mean by not being productive in society and being like a six-figure earner, leading a team, doing all these things. And then now like I'm at home and unable to function and literally getting out of bed is physically too much energy for my body to move. It's like, how do you get to this point, right? So... Um, I started working with my doctor, went to naturopath and really created like a wellness program for myself. But I just found that what the allopathic and Western medical system was offering wasn't sufficient for me not only to regain my footing and be like the previous woman that I was before, but I didn't really see a way forward. So the medications that I was on, the antidepressant and anti-anxieties that they had me on, it was like, okay, you can function on your feet, like way you go, get back to your productive self, like just go back out into the world. And inside that just never felt right. Like I was like, okay, I'm standing, but I'm not standing steadily. And it's great to just be functioning. But I think most of us listening to this can attest to the fact that we do have an inner light and that light is meant to be channeled or guided in different directions. And so it just felt unacceptable to be someone that identified as a leader and a powerhouse. And, you know, I'm a manifesting generator in human design. So I move in many different directions at once and I move in all those directions extremely quickly and with much joy. So to be flat on your back was just like an experience that I really couldn't compute and you know the powers of the internet <laughs> and how the mycelium and psilocybin which ended up being my healing aid called to me and found me just started whispering in my ear should i just keep going with this yeah, it's yeah interesting. Okay. okay yeah and so um i started having conversations with people about how they were managing anxiety or you know reclaiming their health and their vitality outside of medications right so like being very serious about a meditative practice, re-entering the world of yoga, doing a lot of journaling, speaking with a therapist. And that was all good and well, but it was, it was actually my naturopath, to be completely honest, who mentioned something. She's like, have you really thought of bringing your body back into balance in a different way? And I was like, well, what do you mean? So she, in a roundabout way, mentioned psilocybin to me, I actually was so ignorant at the time that I had no idea that that was magic mushrooms. <laughs> so we could even preface this conversation and we're going to have so much fun today because I'm a completely drug-free individual. So, so I smoked my first joint at 34, right? And I'm Vancouver born and raised, not even enjoying BC bud this whole time. <laughs> 
So no exposure to drugs at all. Like I, I really rarely socially drink like any of that. So like so using a psychedelic and what I had perceived as drugs and like drugs are bad. Okay. Was like not even an option on my radar. And so I, I took the suggestion quite seriously and, and Google really led me down a rabbit hole of the possibilities. And so I researched for months, like for months, <laughs> looking all these things up, like trying to really understand and just like the idea of having an experience where I would be surrendered and not in control of my mind, body or spirit was so foreign to me. I couldn't, I could not comprehend this, but everything I tried wasn't working. Like somehow the anxiety would continue to creep back in. Like I thought I would make steps forward and then it was like two steps forward, one step back you know, and of course you're having really all of these things with mental health is always like a spiritual awakening or different awakenings or recognitions or awareness coming to the surface is really what's happening, right? It's like this awareness is coming to the surface. So you're dealing with that as well, right? And and I, I really want to impress that upon our audience and listeners. Like we so feel you and get you that there's different levels of awakening and awareness that enter your mind years before you approach plant medicine, years before you embrace your spirituality, years before you take on a holistic path, like we really get that. (laughs) And the shift from, you know, mainstream to maybe what's considered alternative culture um, requires an identity shift. So really it was an identity shift that I had to go through. And I worked with a therapist and, and a beautiful woman's coach to help me be okay with being a person that would undertake such an experience. Interesting. So it's like, you can see how much I had made this mean and how much BS societal, cultural, religious programming was just living inside me. And I'm like the crust of my brain or like covering my beautiful third eye. (laughs) I just couldn't even see that this is okay. And this is normal and natural. So well, I think we can get into this, but you know, the long story short is that I, I spent months researching and then I found a really special guide to help me, um, an Indigenous woman actually, and underwent my first experience and it was transformational and I've never looked back. <laughs> wow. And so what was it? Yeah. I mean, like, what was it like that first time where you like, I was so, that's such an interesting story that it was like, you were so opposed to it and then mm. you managed to open to it. And then it, that was exactly the medicine that you needed. Yeah, it was. And so here's the crazy thing. Like let's fast forward a little bit is to give, um, like to preface some of the story and just provide even more context for the listener is that my background is Azorian Portuguese. So my family originates from the Azores islands off the coast of Portugal And the particular island that we're from, San Miguel, has about 125,000 people on it. So there's more Portuguese in the city of Toronto than there is on the island where I originate from and where I'm native to. So folk healing and energy healing is absolutely a thing there. And I had no idea of that. So there was no like medical clinics or hospitals in my parents' time. You would go see like the man in the village that knew the things and he would look at your body or scan your body and then prescribe, you know, seeds or flowers or roots or herbal elixirs for healing. And this is a very natural way for my people to move through the world. Like, so really my DNA or, or my cellular structure 
doesn't know any different. And I later came to understand that this is why being in the Western medical system felt so foreign. I didn't even have a family doctor at the time of my sickness. I hadn't seen a family doctor in over 10 years because I just didn't have a reason to until I had my anxiety crash. So I'm looking back at myself telling this story with so much compassion because I'm like so cute, like 2013, like this big corporate career go-getter. I'm so young and I'm like really afraid and I'm on a super high dose of Effexor, which is an antidepressant that is so strong. It's an SSRI for those that are on antidepressants. It's really, really strong. Like they commonly even give it to like cancer patients. Like it's, it's a very strong type of antidepressant. And, and I was so angry later as I went through the awakening process that this was something I was even on. So I go for my experience and I'm on Effexor. And, you know, this beautiful guide has created this incredible space for me. And she's walking me through the dosage and how this is going to work. And so now what I know scientifically, like when we talk in terms of psilocybin, we're talking in terms of grams. So this is a very small unit and dosage that we work with. So like one gram, two grams at a time is enough to um, drop your cognitive perception and really get you thinking differently from how you do in your everyday life. So she's thinking like, we're probably going to have a four or five gram experience, which is what we call a hero's journey. So for someone like me, it's like breaking past the perceptive barriers and really getting in there into the brain. Well, Jennifer has this beautiful little four gram tea and I'm just sitting there talking to her and we're an hour in and I'm like, I have got nothing. Like I'm talking nothing at all. Like I'm just functioning normally. So she gives me another ground and she gives me another ground and she gives me another ground. So this is my first time ever having a psychedelic experience and I am eight grams of psilocybin mushrooms now. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's a lot, everybody who doesn't know, like for, for like, an, that, that's a lot. I do not recommend this. <laughs> yeah, I say that. Yeah, I say that lovingly and um, what I've learned from that, I'm going to share much of the beauty that occurred, but what I've learned from that is, you know, working with a health professional or a professional, someone that can guide you to be off your medication or taper a few days before and get your system back into homeostasis before you're undertaking psychedelics is very helpful. And that would be the ideal way to go about it. So the other thing is with psychedelics and with psilocybin in particular, that it doesn't mean that more equals better. You don't need to have an extreme experience to have an experience. Um, it's really too much to integrate and, and to learn or work with and cope with all at once. And, and it, it is actually pointless because it takes you so far into another realm or so far into your psyche that the information is simply not useful inside this 3D realm. And so it can take you further than you need to, to do the work that you want to accomplish, which is just dealing with anxiety, man. <laughs> so let me tell you, Saria, inside that experience, I saw everything. <laughs> and I was everything and felt everything, but it happens in real time, you know? So you're having like 10 years of therapy in a day, basically. I understood the order and the structure of the universe down to like the cellular level. I understood my parents' traumas, my mom, my dad, 
my sister, their astrological signs, how they operate in the world, why they show up as they do, the numerology of how we all are, the mathematics behind our structure, um, the consciousness of water, like it just, everything that I could possibly ever need to know to get me going down my spiritual path just flooded in and I had a whole day to sit with it and experience it and learn and be. So I walked out of that beautiful woman's home, got in my car, drove to McDonald's, immediately got a Big Mac because like, I just need to know that I exist and I need like some really awful like beef or something to just bring me back to this world and like participate in something terrible to even just come down off like the very high of beings in that realm. And I think that anyone that channels a lot of energy will understand what I've said. Like if you, if you do a lot of readings or if you channel a lot of energy, you typically will want to introduce some type of density to your body because when you're in the crystalline for that long, it's actually very discombobulating. So to just wrap up this thread, um, I, got I got home, made a little note in my calendar and just wrote a couple things down for myself. I woke up the next day, I called my doctor's office, I requested an appointment. I went for that appointment a few days later and I said, I'm ready to come off the medication. And really what had happened was I understood my relationship with anxiety differently and formed a new relationship with it. And I was able to lovingly release the power that it had over me. So now if and when anxiety creeps in, which is really rare, I understand it as data that I'm out of integrity with myself or I'm worried about a future possibility because of some insecurity. So it's like, I completely have a different relationship with it. And it's like, it's not even a thing now. It's an ally, like it's a friend. So I just don't have anxiety anymore. But it was really shocking for my doctor, <laughs> you know, and that's a whole, that's a whole thing. And, and I help people manage all those relationships. But yeah, that's how I ended up on a really radical eight gram trip. <laughs> as like, you know, this really sweet little girl that just had no idea what was about to happen to her and like her marriage is failing and the corporate career is, is rocking and all these things. And, and um, yeah, now I'm super high. <laughs> I saw all I needed to see and we got on with it. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm just still like, I'm like eight grams. Whoa. Like yeah. that's, that's a lot. Yeah. That's, I think it's very interesting that you didn't um, that you didn't feel it at first. Do you think that's just because it hadn't kicked in yet or you just had a really high sort of tolerance maybe, or that's what you needed in that moment, I guess. I think the not kicking in at first is a direct result of the medication, mm -hmm. you know? And so that's part of this, this programming that we're under inside this matrix, right? It's like we're putting toxins inside our body that really don't allow perceptive ability that we all have. So I, I physically was taking a substance that prevented me from feeling the substance that was going to help me. Mm, yeah, I know. I um, I was on some meds at one point when I was a teenager, actually, after I had like, they, they thought I had ADD. So they kept putting me on all of these different, um, you know, pharmaceutical drugs. And yeah, I eventually just like went off all of them too. Cause they, they all made me feel really funny. Like some of them made me feel really like jacked up. Like I was really too, too much energy. And then the antidepressants I found, they made me feel like numb. And I didn't like that feeling, <laughs> even yeah. though I had been very, that was a difficult time of my life. And I was feeling a lot of heavy emotions. I remember really not feeling right about feeling that numb either. I was like, mm -hmm. this just feels weird. <laughs> like to not be, to be that disconnected from your feelings for me felt very strange. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I do want to bring 
like as fun as it is for me to tell the story and, and as joyful it is, as it is now, I mean, let's, let's really look at it with, with some respect and that, you know, I'm seven, eight years out from that experience and now I'm a psilocybin expert and I help women walk through that, that exact same type of, of experience that are, you know, creative visionaries and leaders. And that it is actually something quite serious and it was done with a lot of respect, you know, for the woman that was holding space and the indigenous wisdom that she was imparting on me and really helping me um, going in going through it, you know, so it is, it is something to be taken seriously, but, and at the same time, sometimes I'm really like laissez-faire or a, a casual about it because I think we're just making too big a deal about so many things. And it's, it's really quite ridiculous because we are just humans having a human experience. And that includes bouts of, of mental illness or different states, right? So I also want to add that there's no shame in using medications or working with the Western medical system where it serves. Whatever tools are at our disposal to get us on our feet, like absolutely, right? Absolutely go for it. Get the help and support that you need. And if you're curious and thinking that there's a bit more to your consciousness or ways to shine your light brighter, then great. You'll start looking for alternatives, maybe if it suits. But there is no shame in using the medication. It's just no. for my particular predisposition, it didn't feel like quite right, as you said, like, oh, is this it? Well, and I think... I think medications are great for um, the immediate, sometimes when somebody's having a really hard time, um, you know, when people fall into some really serious mental health issues, the medication can be literally like a lifesaver to get somebody stabilized in the moment. But I think as generally as a rule, like it's, it's if we can, and not everybody can, of course, but if we can, to try to get off those medications, to try to get off of anything that we need, you know, and just to kind of get the body into a state of, of balance and, and homeostasis. And then yet everybody, everybody is different. So it's, yeah, there's, and I think the meeting of the Western world and the natural world are, I think that we should really be looking more at like how we can bring these things together and not like be at war, you know, because you see a lot of this right now. Like there's a lot of people who believe in, you know, a more natural way and a more allopathic way. And then it turns into a big battle and I don't feel it shouldn't be that way. We should be trying to merge them and find the place where, where they intersect and, and also yeah. just accepting like there's not one path for everyone. Everybody's got to find their own way. So that's like, um, I, I was saying earlier, I was saying, you know, part of what I'm, what I'm having so much fun doing with this podcast is bringing on all these incredible people I know and all the things that they do to give people options and let them know that there's so many ways to do things. Because often if people are only sort of in the mainstream narrative, they're only going to hear one way or one option of doing things. And yet... I know so many incredible stories, like stories like you, stories of people who have healed their cancer and they're all kinds yeah. of things using more natural methods. And again, it might not work for everybody, but at least when you know different options, then you can make an educated and an empowered choice for yourself. Preach. <laughs> Preach. Preach. Yes, absolutely. I mean, this is, what a beautiful way how you brought that, like, um, where the East meets West and all of these things where they intersect, right? I mean, that is so much of the foundation and the platform of what I'm building uh, Bloom Institute on, right? It is these, these tenants, like these core tenants of like ancient wisdom and ancient medicine, and then the new modern way and lifestyle and advancements that we're making. So it's like, I, I, what I feature there under that umbrella and the practitioners that I work with from all over the world that are available to my clients 
is we focus on things, you know, the plant medicines. This is one of the oldest elixirs that we have, but sound and sound healing and tones and, and you know, vocal toning and frequencies, you know, which you, as a musician and an artist, you can definitely speak to. And then also light, connecting people to light sources, UV therapies, Ajna light, Lucia light, like what does that look like? Working with crystalline rays, the different frequencies, what, what information and data is encoded in there. And I get that inside the Western medical system, this is a language that's very foreign, but women in leadership and women that are corporate and conscious are looking for this information. Like we know that there's more. I, I want to push the edge and be on the leading edge, not just of healthcare, but of healing. And all of this is done like to nod to the future really is to look to the past. And so when we're connecting back to our original light, our original sound source from which that the, the creation and the birth and the children of this earth are the plants, all of the data that we already need is here and our ability to heal ourselves is here. Preach. <laughs> Preach. Absolutely. I, and I just believe there's like love is in the earth. You know, there's so many, almost every solution that we need is in the earth. Even a lot of pharmaceutical medic, pharmaceutical medication is based off of natural cures to begin with anyway. So yeah, there's, there's so many beautiful remedies in the earth. And, um, so I, I'm curious then, like with the, with the psilocybin, is there like, um, uh, like I know when people do ayahuasca and stuff, they talk about like a spirit, the spirit of the medicine, the spirit mm -hmm. of the, does that, is that the same with the psilocybin and the mushrooms too? Is it like a she or a he, or is it a it or a, is, does that exist? Is that a thing? Yeah. What a gorgeous question. So what I have found consistently with mushrooms is that it varies. And I love that so much. So um, in some communities, they'll call it like a jokester. Others will call it children, but it does not inherently show up as for, we'll use ayahuasca because ayahuasca is really having like a marketing moment, <laughs> which I'm like wildly vehemently against. And we can talk about that. Um, you know, ayahuasca is really known as the grandmother spirit, whereas mushrooms definitely are a, a deeply feminine and deeply rooted spirit, but for sure it shows up as children or like in a jokester type prankster type way. Is that why so you laugh sure. so much? Is that why yes. people laugh? That's what yes. I mean. Yeah. So there's an identity, but let's also think that much like trees, like we'll use trees because it's, it's a symbol that we can probably understand a bit easier. You know, trees have such a deeply rooted ecosystem, like the roots of the trees and how deep they actually go underneath the soil of the system and the, and the earth's crust, like right down into the water table is very deep and mushrooms operate the same way. There's a compound called mycelium that mushrooms go from and that they work with. And that really is like an underground web. Like it's imagine a giant brain underneath the soil of the earth. It's a neural network. So this is a cosmic network of mycelium and that mycelium contains the data, right? So everything that's in the water table, everything that's in the soil is fed into this mycelium, which we know is fed from the sun and the sun is fed from the stars. So it's like the amount of universal data that is in like one tiny microscopic gram of mushrooms is like anything else out there. It, it really holds so much beauty so I almost think that it's like not doing it a service to assign it, 
masculine, feminine. Maybe I've experienced in feminine because that's the creator that I'm containing. But it, it definitely is childlike because you're talking about um, an ingredient that is so far out from outer space, really, like the compounds of mycelium have been found out off our planet, like the biochemicals that it's made from. So when we say childlike, it, our human brain is comprehending that because it really contains data from the quantum field, the field of infinite possibilities. And children inside their creativity and when we're inside states of play, that's what how we're existing is the field of infinite possibilities because everything is a solution. Everything's a possibility when you're a kid, right? And this is why people, as you said, why you laugh. It's like, yes, absolutely. Inside joy and wonder and creativity lie many answers. Why? Because we're out of our minds and finally into our bodies. Yeah, whenever I think of mushrooms, I think of like lots of giggling, yeah. lots of, but I mean, when I remember, see, I don't know that I, I've actually never formally done mushrooms in a therapeutic sense. I've only okay. done them just, just for fun. Mm -hmm. But I remember a long time ago um, when I was actually, it was one of my first experiences seeing an aura was I was, you know, had some mushrooms and we were in the forest and there was a girl and she was like in Lynn Valley and she was swimming in the water and I could see this purple aura around her. And I was just like staring at her and staring at her and then shortly after that actually I went to South America and I met a girl there who was doing a, an apprenticeship with a shaman and one of the things the shaman had told her was that if you can see things when you're on mushrooms that you probably you have a gift period you can see it without it but sometimes that's the doorway that takes you through and now it's true I can see I, I couldn't at the time at that time I didn't see things but now now I can without yeah. anything so that was very interesting yeah, and, and I'll attest to that as well, right? It's like that was part of my, and I don't even call it awakening, right? It's like new levels of awareness, my awarenesses. So yes, being able to see things and attune to it in real time without any type of substance um, definitely is a byproduct or a result if you really take on your integration. But I do want to touch on that, what you said about seeing the aura around this person. Because, you know, is that a spiritual occurrence or is that a scientific occurrence that we don't yet have the vocabulary for? So again, this is part of my mission with Bloom Institute. It's normalizing and helping to create a vocabulary for the new paradigm that is scientific in nature and can help us better understand the experience that we're having, not only to bring relief, but to create new measures by which we can um, calculate these types of experiences and then build on new technologies to support them. So, you know, we can talk about the HeartMath Institute, for example, which is doing incredible work. So they're measuring the field of resonance of electromagnetics that are coming off the human body. So that woman is swimming in the water in Lynn Valley, as you're describing, and, you know, her body's maybe in a relaxed state or whatever state it's in. She has an electromagnetic field because we have a heart and that heart is, is pumping electricity and, and blood throughout our body, but it really has like a magnetism. There's an electrical current of our nervous system that can be measured. So that purple aura that you're seeing around her, you know, we call it aura, but is it just her electromagnetic field? Is it like, I don't know, but maybe it is. And so it's like, what if we start looking into these possibilities and stop discounting them as like our spiritual craziness and bringing it into the, like, the here and now and being like, okay, how can I actually work with this? Is there quantum physics or mathematics that can help us understand this, find comfort in it, 
And with that information, like if I know that in swimming, it reproduces a purple field around this person, what data does the purple field contain? Is there a healing property? Is like, what does it mean? Is there an angel that's been trying to give us a message? Like who's the keeper of the purple ray, right? It's St. Germain. He holds the purple, the purple flame, the violet flame of transmutation. So it's like, what, how can you start to connect these dots and all the teachings? So I want the Bloom Institute to normalize all this. <laughs> yes. It's, you know, this is larger than life for anyone that knows me in person. I'm like all of five foot one and I'll probably smile you to death. So this is like a very big undertaking and, and it is part of the legacy that I'm looking to leave. But I think it's important that we normalize this. And if mushrooms and undertaking your own traumatic healing work and your own self-worth work as a woman gets you on that path, then great. Like we are here for you with open arms to help you navigate the opening of your consciousness. I love that. And I love that, that question about like, what is that purple aura, you know? And I, and I think, and I do want to add actually what she was doing. She was not just swimming in the, in the river there. Like she was actually picking up the garbage from inside the river and collecting it. So she was cleaning up. So her intention that she was actually doing a service in that moment, she just wasn't like swimming. She was actually going around and picking up all the litter that people had thrown in the, there wasn't a lot, but it was there. So there was a, you know, there was a service there. There was a, yeah, because purple is a very, it's a very spiritual color, right? Like it's a very high vibrational color, but it is there. It has to be there. This is the thing. It's not like some people can just see these things because they're not there. It's just that some people have some kind of, you know, they're open to it or they have that gift. And I honestly believe that everyone has those gifts in some way or another. It's going to be a little bit different for everybody. Some people might see them. Some people might feel it. But I mean, throughout my journey as, as a healer, I've, I've seen my own gifts expand so much and I see other people expanding into their gifts like quicker and quicker and quicker than ever because I've seen you know on my journey I've had so many people you know they've known me for a long time so when they start waking up they come to me and they start telling me about what's going on with them and I think it's fascinating how it's I mean everyone's awakening sort of happens a little bit differently some people it's slower and more gradual and there's a lot of people that are just like popping overnight all of a sudden they can see and feel colors they're having like psychic dreams they're having all these premonitions about things like it's it's the energy right now is definitely very supportive of this yeah it is and and that for sure was me like it was fast and it was furious right I'm like seeing hieroglyphs on the ceiling while I'm trying to sleep and like screaming because I don't know what it is and it's like light language coming through the bedroom and it's like okay and I'm like what is light language like how do you even begin a google search of something like that I'd never even heard of light language I had no clue so you've brought up something really interesting which I feel like is another super fun mushroom rabbit hole for us to go down which is um, the process of awakening, but also what it really means to have a spiritual gift. And like, what is that in tangible terms? And why I think this matters is so much of my work in the world and what I think is important for the modern woman navigating what it's like to exist inside 2021 with all of this knowing that's very ancient is that I think the need to be grounded and to be here in this physical realm is very important. And I will often be heard saying that our divinity is in our humanity. And I try to say that as much as possible to every being that I come across. Our divinity is in our humanity. Like without the underlying tenets of compassion, 
and grace and empathy for our fellow beings, for the trees, for the water, for every animal, it's kind of like you've missed the plot. If you just want to be so above everything that's here, that entire existence of bypass is really not going to get you into heaven or up a, uh, another rung on the ladder of ascension any faster. And I can guarantee you that <laughs> like, as someone that has been walking alongside women now and, and peering into like the darkest corners and recesses of their psyche for many, many years. Like I can assure you, you will not ascend faster by bypassing being a human. Like let's just, the whole podcast, hope y'all are listening. <laughs> Divinity is in our humanity. Striving to be here is what gets us there much more quickly and with a lot Preach. more joy. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I, that drives me nuts too. I, I see, you know, I see, I've made a video about this once. I start going off. I'm like, you're not in 5D. Like you're on yeah. the earth. Like I understand this idea about 5D consciousness. That's great. Love it. But like, we are meant to be here. We're here oh. on the earth. The earth is, that's our contract that we came in with. And, mm. and actually to be a human being and to have a human life is a very precious opportunity. So we shouldn't, we shouldn't waste it trying to be somewhere else. And I think there is this sort of assumption that when we're spiritual, that we're going to go into this other dimension or like leave here or that ascension somehow means that like we're leaving here, but like, no, like we're here. And yes, the, the, the portals to get there are actually within our human body. And that's why it's so important to keep the body, you know, clear and to eat the right diet that works for us and to find the, the ways to keep our body so that we can actually align our higher self and our soul with the body, which is where sometimes, you know, that's a big part of the journey is all of us finding that. <laughs> I was just saying to you before, like, it's been like the journey of my entire life to get grounded. I feel like I'm just sort of landing now for the first time. And it's because, mm -hmm. you know, where my energy is and where the earth's energy is, they're not exactly a, a match. Now it's getting a little closer because it's, you know, a little bit more open to it here, but it wasn't always. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, the, the ultimate thing is, is the realization it's bone deep that there's nowhere to go but home and there's no one to be but yourself. Like there's nothing to find but you, no matter where you try to go. And 5D is not a place. <laughs> it's, it's an experience. Mic drop. Yeah, like it's, it's a way of being. It's, it's an understanding of the compassion and vibrational frequency of one's own personal attunement and a deeper knowing that allows you to navigate this experience with grace. Like 4D is where time and space collapse. You know, there's, we, we have been able to measure up to the 12th dimension. So it's like, let's stop pretending that it's somewhere that you go. <laughs> there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to go. You're, you're going back home and that's greater levels of awareness of the self. So when we first looked down this particular rabbit hole that we're on right now, where I was going with it or hoping to lead us to is what having an awakening like really means for the physical body and what it is for your perceptive abilities. Like what's happening in your brain and your body when you can hear more, see more, feel more, like to have the clairs, for example, right? Like gifts of clair audience or clair sentience or all of that. What is that? And so an interesting finding that I've come across is, and again, these are all remembrances, right? Everything is a remembrance. 
So what the psilocybin really helps us with is to decondition or drop the perceptive veil that's on any particular neural pathway. So inside our brain, you know, all of these neurons are firing simultaneously at rates of millions of bits per hour or per minute or per second. And every time we think the same thought, we're continually like deepening a groove inside the brain that this type of stimulus or when I, this happens in my life, the response is that. So like X equals Y, our, our nervous system has learned through its conditioning and programming, like which response to pick based on which stimulation. So when you're on the mushrooms, those controls, th those, the little fiddly bits, there's no one driving that. <laughs> the usual driver of the nervous system, which is your trauma and your conditioning, is in the back seat and you are observing yourself outside of yourself. So when you look outside the window and you see a tree and it's green, you don't actually see the tree as green. You see the green that your brain remembers as green or that you first trained it as green. And then the brain fills in the rest of the data with just like little bits that it has of information inside your brain. So on the psilocybin, you actually see an entire spectrum of so many more greens as if you're seeing green for the first time because the optic nerve is not absorbing that data and processing it through the brain how it normally does. And so this is the reason that people have awakenings or are able to perceive things differently on psychedelics. And if they really attune and take their integration very seriously after, and they're able to continue with their spiritual gifts, is what's happening is an opening of perception. And as you were saying, it's like you can now see things without being on any type of substance. And I would bet with, without even knowing your, the entirety of your personal history, that's a result of doing trauma release, embodied movement, self-worth work, and letting go of things. Meaning you have deconditioned or reprogrammed the neuroplasticity in your mind of what it's available for and how it perceives things. So you have created space for new information to be entered into your brain and into your heart. Let me know if I'm totally off. No, you're right. That's, that's there we actually, go. it's one of my practices always. That's like one of my teacher's things as he always says is like, uh, always make your mind and your heart bigger. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. So anytime we want to see more or we can't find a solution, it's literally because things are in the way. So it's like that thing that you don't want to deal with, those bills on your counter that are unpaid, that the taxes that you're not getting to, the conversation with your boyfriend that you just really need to have, that therapist appointment that you probably should have booked and just worked through the thing, or like the ecstatic dance class that you just really need to take to shake it off. All of these things are what open us up to the possibility of greater awareness. So it's all there for us. It's just how available are we for it? And how have we created the conditions for our body to receive it? But mm. so from what we're talking about, is this super spiritual? Yes and no, right? It's like, okay, like now we're entering the realm of really existing and actually just being a human. So every human could be psychic? Yes. Every human could hear voices that aren't their own? Yes. It's like, okay. 
right? I, I think it's all fascinating that we've sort of demonized all this stuff and made it weird and woo woo because even the even the further you get into some of this like um you know like conspiracy theory-ish stuff and like the the people that you know the powers that be in the world they use astrology they use esoteric knowledge they do all kinds of things and then try to tell everybody else that it's bad and it's wrong right and every religious tradition has some kind of seer or some some you know mystic kind of tradition even within the traditional religion itself so i think it's very interesting that I mean, not with people like us, of course, because we're often surrounded by other people like us. So I think sometimes like I forget because I'm so used to being able to converse about certain things with people. Mm -hmm. But then when I go outside of my own bubble, so to speak, you know, I'm like, oh yeah, like not everyone, not everyone thinks this way or has this understanding. And it really, you nailed it. It really is about opening the mind. And I think I learned that a long time ago. So I always try to be open, even if I don't agree or if I don't, you know, I, I always practice being open and non-reactive and just like, like, even if I, right away, I'm like, oh, this isn't my thing. Just try to be a little bit receptive, right? Be, be open. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is so much of what I infused into my offering. And I, I really hesitate and struggle with the word program. Like, I don't offer programs as a woman's mentor, or as a leader, because I'm here to deprogram people. And I, I know that you move through the world in the same way and that, that you offer mentorship. And it's just like, unless it's embodied wisdom, it really just doesn't land. And I think that's the difference between a coach that teaches you knowledge and walks you through a curriculum or a program versus a mentor that has the embodied wisdom. So it's like, you've seen things, you know, you've heard, you've absorbed it from other sisters and like you really pass it on. And there's just certain truth that, that is just so felt and it's so real and raw that it just can't be denied. Right. I love this point that you made about, um, people with a lot of money in the world or, or influence. Let's use the word influence. Like one of my favorite quotes is that millionaires don't believe in astrology, but billionaires do. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that so much. And I think the reality is that any high performing individual is receiving guidance of some kind. We see this all the time in, in professional sports or looking at athletes, like anybody that's really working with a type of mastery, divinity or otherwise, is receiving some type of support and a lot of times it's spiritual support and ritual oh my god goodness like we can't undermine the importance of ritual it's centering and grounding into our knowing and then the body is capable of supernatural things when you create the conditions and when i brought up that whole part about the mentorship and leadership it's like what i'm really doing inside the creators the containers that i create is creating the conditions. It's creating the conditions for healing, creating the conditions for greater knowing, creating the conditions for self-healing, for unprogramming, for, for remembering, for unlearning. But I can't do that unless I'm living it. It just doesn't land, right? It, it just doesn't land. Oh yeah, 100%. I have this conversation with a good friend of mine constantly and we say like, you know, being a healer isn't like, is not like any other profession. Like if you really want to embody it and be real and be um, in integrity around it, it takes um, almost constant work. You have to be constantly sort of checking yourself, doing your own work and really making sure that it's, it's not like anything else. You have to be so mindful. You might be guided to do something one day and then told not to do it the next. And you have to be obedient to that sometimes, you know, sometimes you have to be obedient to messages that you might not want to, or like, oh, I'm supposed to do what? Or, you know, say something that makes no sense 
sense to you and then it makes perfect sense to the other person. And um, something also that I, that just when you talked about creating the conditions for healing that I just thought too, and I know that this is probably, you know, why you're so wonderful at what you do, is it's so important for the healer or the, you know, the medicine woman to believe in the other person's healing too, which can be one of the sort of the, the things that falls short in the mainstream medical industry. Like I find like doctors are so quick to tell people you're going to die in three weeks. Like yeah. I can't tell you how many people I know, like clients, friends that, you know, they have the story where the doctors told them they were going to die in three weeks and then they lived. I'm like, so right. clearly, and I had a great conversation with my own doctor who I just love to bits. Like she's like, we hug when we see each other. We didn't this time because of COVID, <laughs> but like we hug, like what doctor hugs their patients? Like we love each other. But she said to me, you know, as a doctor, she's like, my job is to believe in my patient's healing. And she's won like the number one doctor in Canada before, like over the years. And wow, she says when she trains, yeah, when she trains her young medical students, she always tells them the most important thing is if the doctor believes in the healing, then your patients are probably going to get better. And I said, wow, I'm so lucky wow. to have you as my doctor because so many don't, you know, they're very quick to diagnose and they're very quick to give these very dire, you know, and then, and then the patient gets that in their head. So as a healer, as a medicine woman, when you're holding space for your clients, I know that you, part of what you're doing and part of creating that condition is really you believing in them too and believing in their ability and then you know spirit's ability to come in and create incredible healing within that situation yes well what a gift to know that there's a doctor that believes in the power of intentionality you know whether she realizes it or not or, or confesses to you in private that, that there's a spiritual inclination to her work but i mean that resonance and that frequency is so powerful and, and so much of what we're doing is being guided by intention everything that you're saying right now is just making me realize like how much people can see with the, with the rise of everything that's going on, people can see um, healers or those on a path of devotion. Like I really say that I live in a path of devotion and a life of devotion that that can sometimes be seen as like the path of least resistance or like a cop out from needing to participate in mainstream society in a tangible way. Like you don't have a job. You maybe are not accountable to others or you're so led by spirit that you're flaky. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like let's dial that back and bring a modicum of respect to the healing profession really, because this is how people have um, healed and received help and evolved as a species has been at the hands of healers for thousands of years and in bringing that respect back i'd like to offer to our listeners that being a healer is so serious that what we undertake is the path of most resistance because i don't know any healer that didn't struggle to accept being on this path and really didn't want it at first like i wanted nothing to do with this I was very happy with my Chanel purse, my red lipstick, my Mini Cooper, my perfect house in the suburbs, my vacations, my wonderful family, and just like all of this bullshit being so perfect. That was really nice. That was really nice. And being a healer is such an enormous undertaking. People really do resist it because what's actually happening through your body is you're taking on being a contribution to the healing of the collective, of a consciousness that is so perfect. You're, you're taking on caring, like physically giving a shit about every single being and bit of matter and every single person in a way that's so tangible and real that it, it translates into your life's purpose. 
there's no healer I know that hasn't stepped onto this path, kicking and screaming and fighting. And not to mention like the imposter syndrome that's very real. 10 times what I faced in my corporate career. And I had millions of dollars of responsibility under my belt in the corporate career. Like I had a wonderful job and position there. And I have faced imposter syndrome as a healer so much more. And everyone that I talk to that's in really big service to the collective is undertaking the same thing. So it's like, even healers don't get to bypass being human. And if plant medicine is one way that helps you with, a, helps you with an awakening, great. But ceremony is still every day after the ceremony. And your integration is still work. And it's just like really teaching you to look at the world in a different way and the people that are here in service in a different way and bringing respect back to healing and lineages and the cultures that have this embedded within it. Preach. That's our, <laughs> I think that's our thing on this one. Um, totally. We'll just take a bunch of big microphones and like boom them on the floor. So that <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I love what you're saying because it's, it's sort of no secret that I can't stand the, the healing industry at large. Right. And, and, and what I think is really interesting, and um, this is what I find, it's, you know, I don't want to say like, I, I'm, not, I'm not the healing police. I'm not here to say like who's a real healer and who's not. But what I do find is the ones that I would consider, you know, true healers, we do question ourselves because we're humble. And now the problem is, is that a lot of these people who don't know anything, they don't question themselves and they just go out there because their teacher or the coach that they paid, you know, five or six figures to, to, you know, in their mentorship or whatever, told them, just go out there and train people and coach people. You don't need training. And so a lot of these people are out there in the forefront being very vocal and talking about things that they don't know and they're not embodying. And it's a little bit problematic because by nature, a lot of again, like sort of true healers are, are not always the most extroverted people. They're not always the people who have a hard time, like or have an easy time showing up on social media. I really got over that last year, 2020, just like I felt this gigantic push, like I need to go online now. And I felt a lot of judgment from that. And I still do for people. They're like, oh, you post a lot. I'm like, I'm in service to the collective. Like, I'm, I'm a, you know, exactly. this is how I do what I do. And exactly. I feel it's propelling me. Like people need these messages of love right now. And people need some, and it's almost a responsibility. And I can't just sit around and complain about like, I hate the healing industry and then like not do anything about it. That would be completely, <laughs> that would be a waste of time too. So that would be. Yeah, this is really, I think deeply important for us to speak about and and it's very an integrity that you're bringing it up like I resist social media so much as well and and um, I actually ran a boutique like content creation studio and digital marketing studio after I left the corporate job in the beginning for a number of years and you know helped women not just spiritual women but but very talented and creative women with being out there in the online world and just seeing what it's really like behind the scenes and at the time of, of us recording this and talking about this, I just posted something about how Wikipedia has certain entries that are locked for editing, which is typically like it's an open platform paid for by its users and its members. There's certain entries right now regarding particular healing sciences that are locked for editing and they're calling it quackery, such as chiropractics. What? Yeah, naturopaths, traditional Chinese medicine, like. A traditional Chinese medicine doctor has gone through an incredible amount of education and schooling to have the TCM designation. And so 
what you're talking about, this being harmful and, and people going, having like one transcendent experience and feeling qualified to teach or going through like a coaching program and now feeling like they want to help other women with their spiritual gifts. It's like, there is a, a greater underlying harm that's there, trauma that's there. And what I wrote about today was about psyops, like psychological operations, how our media and what we're, what we're consuming so much of that is a narrative that's very controlled. And, and so it's like these, again, I want to be very careful and, and have a modicum of respect in everything that we share. There's no levels or a ladder to be on that make you more or less spiritual. If anything, you completely let go and dissolve all of that, the deeper your spirituality you take. So it's not like one spiritual teacher is better or more spiritual than another. It's that for our listeners, you'll start to identify the resonance of what they're sharing and understand like the discernment that's needed of how they share the message. So your spiritual teacher that really is an embodiment and an integrity is probably actually so busy with real world transformation and clients, they probably don't have the best Instagram account. Like it's not all filtered and perfect and looks exactly shiny and like everything's so cohesive. They post here and there when they have time, the messages are authentic. Or they have a team that's doing that for them because if they are a really great teacher, that means that they probably have people that are following them, which is wonderful. So when there's like a, a group frequency, that's, that's also something that's helpful for the listener. Like look at who follows them and the quality of that person, right? Not just the teacher, but the followers, like who are they? So if they have a team, that's great. But like no real world teacher or coach or guide or mentor is going to have the best, most flashiest social media account because they physically don't have time. Like I'm on Zoom all day long in service to my clients or in session. So now I'm supposed to write like some perfect caption about my great life and post it somewhere so that I can sell something like forget it. Results speak for themselves. I don't do any marketing like it's not necessary there's nothing for sale. There's nothing for sale on this path. Like healing isn't an industry. It's not a vertical to be marketed. Healing is an experience. What, what like Surya's work, her, the, the artistry and the activism that she undertakes by sharing her beautiful voice with us, that is activism. That is learning. That is deprogramming by us receiving that frequency. What I'm doing at, at Bloom Institute, like all of those results speak for themselves. There's no like bro marketing funnel or email sequence that I'm going to undertake that's going to let people know that this is real or more or less spiritual. So I really love what you shared and I know I'm like going on and on about it, but I think it's really important to speak to it and speak to it in the face. We're in 2021. I'm done with people hiding. It's like, these are Decepticons. <laughs> it, it is mind control. And there's people that exist inside the human experience and inside this realm to serve as contrast and God bless them because even that is a form of light, but know what false light looks like. Get attuned to that. And it's okay. Like they're at where they're at on their path. And their level of teaching is appropriate for where their followers are at. And that's okay as well. So like, we don't need to shame if someone's not for you, they're not for you. But I'm just going to say like, Roald Dahl said it so beautifully, right? Like 
those who don't look for magic will never find it. And like magic is also hidden in the most unexpected places. So I bet you, you know, 10 out of 10 that it's like the most plain faced, regular, wonderful person that's in service is probably the seven and eight figure earner that's really causing actual transformation and leading people down paths of integrity because they've chosen to live their life in service focus on their vitality, focus on the clean eating, focus on giving back. And it's like, they're not spending money on the shady marketing or doing like all these Facebook lives all day. And then really you listened to 30 minutes of their free challenge so that you could enroll in their program after it's like, we're on to you. And we know if you're, when you're causing transformation, results speak for themselves. The frequency that you share sells it. The client testimonials sell it. There's nothing to say. There's nothing to sell, right? It's all felt. It's all felt. And our sentience does the work for us. I love that. Our sentience <laughs> does the work for us. It is. Yeah, it absolutely does. And, and, you know, it is also part of the journey. It's been a big part of my journey too. I mean, I've had, I've had, I have incredible teachers and mentors. I'm very lucky and blessed in that. And I've also had a whole bunch of horrible like experiences with people who abuse power and like sure. kind of fake gurus and all that stuff. And those experiences taught me a lot too. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate now about like integrity in the healing world and why it almost causes like a, a dissonance in me when I see some of this stuff online and I'm just like, oh my gosh, because I see a lot of people, they just don't know better, right? So again, and it's like what you said, um, you know, people get what they need when they need it. And so it's, it's just a journey. We don't need to judge anyone or shame anyone. <clears throat> and we can also call for more integrity and do our part to make sure that we uphold that integrity. And, you know, I know that that's why I've been, that's why spirit was guiding me to mentor people more, you know, more closely yeah. this year. And that's because it's like, okay, if I don't like something, if I don't like it, the way that maybe people are doing their work or, you know, don't feel that people have a stable foundation, I can contribute to that in, in, in one way, you know? But what a beautiful, and you sharing that, like what a beautiful reflection of, as we right now we're at the stages of what we call like low level or end of life capitalism, as we're seeing all these systems crumbling and systemic oppression and racial injustice is being highlighted right now more than ever. And you talked about being called to mentorship more. It's like, what a beautiful reflection of what sustainable, renewable and regenerative economy actually looks like. And that is that as we take two and three steps forward, we continually reach our hand back and pull our sisters up with us. And that's why I think the concept of mentorship, paid or unpaid, is so important. Like really, really important. And, you know, looking at things like how we do business, you know, and I, I use the words regenerative and sustainable very, very often because energy just doesn't go one way. It's always a two-way exchange. And sometimes money is the conduit that's needed. Like I call it units of aliveness is money because it represents, you know, the value or transformation possible. We're not paying for someone's time. It's nothing like that, right? It's like, what is this container of possibility when, you ex when we exchange this currency of aliveness? It calls you to step up, but it also calls the teachers to step up to fill in that container with value, right? Like, Teachers, like real teachers, real actual mentors love to pour into people. Like we just love to pour in because 
those that have invested and take the steps to really better their lives and want to be conduits of service for others and the greater are called forward and up into that, right? And so that's, again, another thing to look at when selecting teachers, I think is a really important point. And I also want to state marketing is important. And I think maybe our conversation like kind of went too far there. I'm just like thinking through or embodying for myself how I've shared that message it's really important to be visible so that people can find us or can find teachers. I'm not bashing social media. I think it's an incredible tool of connection and it's an incredible tool for deprogramming when you choose to use it with great responsibility. I'm just saying be on the lookout for those that use false light tactics and psychological operations and wording to speak to your pain points in order to enroll you into what's actually their own learning. Aha. Yes. A hundred percent. And it's the, the emotional pain points and all of that, that gets me yeah. every time. Because ever since I was a kid, I was very attuned to this energy of manipulation in the world. Yes. And even though I didn't have the languaging for it, I was like, there is something really wrong on this planet. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. But and when I watched commercials on TV, I would get so angry because I could feel like it's all manipulation. Like this is not legitimate. They are saying and doing things with their own agenda to get what they want. It doesn't, okay. it didn't feel clean. And I feel and see a lot of that right now in the spiritual world. And it's really interesting because it's kind of under the guise of this like boss babe kind of thing. But what it really is, is just like another manifestation of the patriarchal capitalist world. So it's yeah. like this woman showing up going like, hey, look at me. I'm boss babe. I'm killing it in the game. But I'm like, nah, you're just like, and they don't realize it, of course. And that's their journey that they have to go on. And I'm also not saying there's anything wrong with boss babe. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with marketing yeah. because we do. That's part of it. We do. And I've had to learn that too. Had to learn to just show up and be there because if you don't show up in some capacity, there are people who won't find you through word of mouth if yeah. they're in another country or in another community from you. And there's, I, I've connected with so many people on social media from all around the world. So it mm -hmm. is a double-edged sword. And something I've been talking about more, which I really love is, um, I love this idea of like, we're, cause the internet is like, it's, uh, it's, it's like its own world, its own yeah. matrix. It's creating yeah. its own matrix. And some of it is, you know, good. And some of it is really dark and really, there's all kinds of stuff going on. So I feel like when we show up in the, in the internet world and in the interwebs that we can contribute to putting, pouring light into that particular matrix, because there is a lot of darkness on the internet too. So I feel like, again, it's like this whole other world that we're creating. So when we show up there and we can like fill it with our, you know, aha moments and share our blessings there with people, that that's another form of service. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Again, like I, I could speak with you probably all day. This would be like a three day long podcast. Right? Everyone listening, this is really meant to be a summit. <laughs> right. Actually, it's funny. I was thinking about a summit today. I'm like, Beautiful. I'm going to have to put on a summit because I again, I will. just know, well, that was part of the reason for starting the podcast too, is because I know so many incredible people with incredible gifts and again, doing some things that, um, you know, people can't always, uh, you know, that people don't always know about. So I would love yes. to be, you know, help people find doorways to, to find you. I mean, I remember the first time I, I heard about psychedelic therapy, I laughed and I was like, oh, that was just something that somebody came up with an idea so that they could keep doing more mushrooms. But then the oh, more that I learned about it, I was like, this is incredible. And I did a lot of, a lot of research as well and read a bunch of case studies and just mm -hmm. saw a lot of incredible, incredible. Um, but it makes sense because I remember, you know, some of my 
psychedelic experiences that were that were done in the spirit of fun actually turned into a big healing thing, whether by myself or like me and my girlfriends, we'd all end up like sitting together all night and talking and having these deep talks and it would result in a lot of transformation and healing. So that was just sort of what happened naturally. And I didn't connect those dots at first, but then I was like, Oh yeah, that's sort of just what naturally happened anyway. And a lot of laughing. (laughs) A lot of laughing. Well, look at what's so beautiful about what you just shared, right? It's like, you said talking with girlfriends and we make it so much more complicated than that, but that's really what I try to recreate. So if you had such a beautiful experience when you didn't even really set out to do healing, imagine what's possible when you're in the like a four to six week container that's really focused around that. And um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the book, The Red Tent, but so much of what I do and like the way that I do it is really just reclaiming that sisterhood. Like I, when I speak with someone or they come on the call, that introductory call with me, they're so nervous. They're like, who's this woman founder of this big thing? And I'm just like, no, I'm the most regular person ever. It is sister to sister. And how we've healed for centuries is over a cup of tea, speaking to our grandmothers or speaking to our elders or in, in sacred womanhood and sisterhood to understand each other and to have our problems, you know, seen, heard, felt, witnessed by one another. And so you can imagine the power of the container when you really are met in that way with full presence and whatever is allowed or whatever's happening in your life is, is allowed to simply be without judgment. The energy transforms on its own. It's really incredible. Oh, I love that. And it reminds me of a story. I don't know if you know Jackie Asambe, but she's a Vancouver, yes. yeah, African dancer, yes. incredible woman. She's from the Cameroon. But I remember she told the story once about, um, you know, a group of people that came to Africa and they, you know, they brought water to a particular village that didn't have water and they thought that they did this really great job and then when they came back to the village like six months later or a year later and um, they asked everybody how's it going they noticed that in particular the women were very unhappy and so finally when they asked them like what is wrong and they said well actually us walking to get our water every day was the way that we communicate that was the way that we we talked to one another that was our time that we had together that we shared and we were able to connect with one another as women as sisters and like when that they didn't have that anymore because they didn't need to go get the water. They didn't have that anymore. So they, they sort of lost that. So that's, I mean, there's a piece there around like colonization and the dangers of that. And, you know, the dangers of helping other cultures when we don't understand what we're doing, but it is really that piece around women need to connect. (laughs) I I mean, that's so funny. I remember one of my ex-boyfriends, like, he'd always be like, what do you girls talk about? Like, why are you on the phone every time you get on the phone? Why can't you just talk to your girlfriends for like five minutes? I'm like, nah, because you know, it always turns into like a huge. But we're literally solving world problems. Like it's healing the many by healing the one. When you understand consciousness and how we are all connected and that's not just some spiritual fluff that spiritual people say, when you really get down into like the physics of it, that this air is breathing me, to heal the entire populace is to heal each one person at a very deep transformational level. It's very important. And that's what all those phone sessions with your girlfriends is about and accomplishing because we don't hear each other in our society and we don't feel each other. You have given me, I, I, I'm not sure like how we're doing for timing, but you've given me about 10 other ideas for wonderful podcasts and other conversations I'd love to have with you about colonialism, you know, about cultural appropriation. We didn't even touch on that. And it's a huge part of my work with psychedelics. 
and with plant medicine in particular. Like, I won't speak to synthetic psychedelics or other types of drugs, quote unquote, although I'm very much a proponent and like against the war on drugs. And part of this work is activism against that. Um, I think that all drugs are medicine and are needed, even in a recreational sense. But yeah, you've given me ideas for, for so many beautiful topics that I think our listeners could really, really benefit from. Oh, I would love to. I would love to. Yeah, I think um, I would love to have you back and talk about all those things because that's all a part of what this is. Again, this name, like A Voice for Love came in, but it's just this mm. idea of us being able to speak up for the things that matter. And there are a lot of conversations that we need to be having right now about a lot of things because we just can't hide things anymore you know are and it's like life is showing us that these like events are erupting right in front of our face in a very obvious way to kind of like it's like this like wake up you know I don't know um Amma is one of my spiritual teachers I know you probably are familiar with like the hugging Amma from India but she says this time that we're in right now is a wake-up call and it is showing us what could happen if we don't wake up and I've heard that in sort of said in various ways shapes and forms from a lot of different master teachers in the last like since last year since 2020 so it really is important for us to get out there and have these conversations and introduce people to new ways of doing things so that they can find the ways because it is like you said and I know that that's true I feel that in every you know and that, that was what I found in my research too people said exactly what you said about the psychedelic therapy it's like years of therapy in just one session and that can be the same with a healing session when you have a, a session with a good healer as well with, with or right. without psychedelics. It's the same thing. A client right. will be like, Oh my gosh, like something that they couldn't. And it's just because when the timing and the, the energy is right, you can, all kinds of things can shift. So, um, yeah, the, the miraculous is most certainly always possible. <laughs> so, so please tell everyone where can they find you to learn more about you and your wonderful offerings. Thank you. Yeah. So um, my website and, and the Bloom Institute is online at www.bloominstitute.org. You can find me just as a regular woman on Facebook, Jennifer Pereira. I'm sure the links will be below the show notes and it's I am Jennifer Pereira on Instagram. And I'm happy to receive any messages, even just saying hello or any curiosities, any way that I can possibly help. I'm here. Oh, so wonderful. I look forward to definitely chatting with you more about this. And yes, please do check her out and her offerings because this is just, I mean, even just this idea that people, again, people think that they have to live with all of these things that they may not have to live with. You know, there's so much that can be shifted. And even if it's not, you know, an immediate overnight thing, it's, it's, a, it's a process and each day can get easier and we can live with much more joy than many of us currently know possible. Exactly. I love as well, and I just want to give you, you know, props and closing that the podcast is called A Voice for Love, because ultimately, you know, whether you believe in far out things like I do, like the simulation theory or not, or that this is potentially a giant matrix that we're in, evolution and evolving as a human being and like creating new paradigms or like our parents being from the 40s, 50s, 60s, and then the next generations, really what we're always doing is like experiencing the next iteration of love and for you you have a, a vocal gift and this being the, the voice of love is extremely special but you know the invitation is there to to just end this podcast with an intention of like how can I walk with greater love and what does that mean in my own in my own life and not in a love and light bypassing kind of way like in a deeply, softly embodied way of how is the expansion of my love 
contributing to the evolution of this planet and of our species. Oh, I love that. Oh, I don't love that. And I don't know if you saw my, um, I made a post earlier actually. And what I said was that I had a vision in meditation the other day that um, I was shown that the earth was on fire and it was covered in these like blue and orange flames. And the fire was both literal and metaphorical. It was like the earth was on fire. But then I saw that these lights were coming from everywhere and that the lights were putting out the fires. And when I was like, where are the lights coming from? I was shown that it was coming from people's hearts and that people whose hearts were open and in the love vibration, that that light from the heart was enough to put out these fires. So I shared that to remind everyone. And there's a beautiful quote from one of the Upanishads, which is the ancient, um, one of the ancient Vedic texts, one of the many. And it says something to the effect of that, that there is a light like brighter than any light that you can imagine and it lights up the whole universe and that that light is contained within the human heart so that's some real real wisdom there so i love that please i I invite everyone to contemplate on that invitation of how can we walk through life with more love because that's how it starts it just starts with these really simple intentions simple things it could just be you know deciding that we're going to be more patient and kind with somebody that we usually yell at or like not blowing up at our partner when they do the wrong thing or or whatever it is you know Well, it's letting go. We've said it's the, it's creating the conditions. It's letting go so that possibility can exist. Yeah, and, and again, fascinating closing reflections. Light and even the word reflection, refractory light. It's when I walk people through my mentorship. It, it's for light leaders. Like I literally call them light leaders, recognizing that we all have a light within. And and when you take that on and healing for the collective, that that is a sign of leadership. And these are the type of women I want to work with and support. I love it. Well, everyone, Jennifer Pereira, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for sharing your, your beauty and your, and your wisdom with us. And I look forward to talking with you again. We are going to do this again because there's so much more to talk about. Yeah, I think this is like a weekly episode of Clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Club- totally. I just got on there. I don't really understand how it works, but yeah, let's do it. Join us on Clubhouse talking about all the things. <laughs> all right, sweetie. All the beautiful so beings much. listening. I wish you all the love possible. Thank you for being here at this time. Amen. I thank you. I echo that. Thank you so much, Jennifer. (laughs) Thanks everyone. Peace. You've been listening to a voice for love. This is Surya Devi. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this series inspires you to discover your own voice for love so you can use it to be a force for good in your life and in the world. You can find me at suryadeviworld.com. I wish you great joy, good health, and the courage to speak up for what you believe in. Peace.